Thank you for listening to the Fashion Africana podcast. Please be respectful of the intellectual property featured in this episode. Hello, I'm Beatrice Anud Ola, and you're listening to Fashion Africana podcast. Today I'm speaking to Akin Bode. Welcome. Good morning. It's a pleasure to have you on our podcast. We are right here in Berlin. Akin Bode, could you please briefly introduce yourself to us? My name is Akin Bode Akinbi. I'm a um, Nigerian, born in Britain, but grew up in Nigeria and now living in Germany for the last 50 years. And I'm a photographer. So I would call myself actually more of an artist. I write as well, I curate. And I just try to be as, as simple and as gentle a human being as possible. Wonderful. I'm so honored to have you here because for you people out there, let me tell you, Akimbode is a photographer since 1977? About that, yeah. Wow. And um, he focuses on large, sprawling mega cities, wandering and mendering the highways an attempt to understand also to deeply engage with the modern metropolis. He walks and works primarily in and on the four major African cities. Is that right? Lagos, Cairo, Kinshasa, and Johannesburg? Mm -hmm. It is right, yeah. But also wonders in other major cities, Khartoum, Addis Ababa, Dakar, Bamako, to name some. European North and South American cities are also serious destinations. Um, Sao Paulo, you have been recently? Um, two years ago, yeah. I really yeah. enjoyed it. Huh? Imagine. So, as you can hear already, Akimbode has been around the world capturing images. And me, myself, I'm just so proud to know him and to... to have some person like him here, living here in Germany, being a role model for all us younger people. So please, Akimbode, can you tell us how how did you get started? It's very actually very interesting to talk about the beginnings. I started off um, my um, wandering um, activity at a very early age. So around six, seven, eight. I just used to like to go out and wander the streets. This was in Lagos. But it was not it wasn't a profession. It was just, you know, just like what's what's around the next corner, so to speak. And as I grew up, um, became a teenager and then also a young adult, it became a bit more focused, a bit more serious. But at that time I wasn't photographing. I started studying English literature in Nigeria and I wanted to become a writer and also an academic. And I came back to Germany, or came to Germany to do a, a PhD. At that time, photography was a hobby. And in those years, and since the 70s, um, the hobby became my profession, my vocation, and my studies sort of faded into the background. So I never actually finished my PhD. And um, it's very much um, trying to, I always try to say this, trying to understand my environment. And, what is happening around me, um, how do cities evolve, develop, grow. That, that was it my, uh, mainly. Uh. One thing I would like to say, <laughs> um, I'm not very much of a role model. 
I think each and everybody is of her and himself their own role model. It's very, very important. This culture of looking up to others, I, I find sometimes a bit um, problematic because we should actually look up to her or himself. Wow, this is an interesting point of view. Because, yeah, I was always looking up to to others who I admire because it was like, wow, the way they are paving the way and what they're doing is so inspiring. So I always had the feeling, yeah, I would like to do the same or, or gain. But it's actually a good point to say, to look into yourself. So basically to believe in what you're doing and to be aware of that the energy lays in yourself. Very, very much. Um, in the last 20, 30 years, I've really been mentoring, teaching younger photographers, younger artists. And I always say it's, it's not me being the, the teacher or the master or the mentor, but one-on-one, -on -one we learn from each other. So I, the so-called older, <laughs> learning from the younger, and it's the other way around as well. And it's so beautiful. We have to recognize that each and every one of us brings something to the table. Beautiful. Well said. Being a photographer and documenting life for some time now, how would you describe the evolution of black culture? I was thinking about, th about this this morning. It's, it's a very, very wide and big term, black culture. I consider it to encompass so very much Africa, but not all Africans are black. Huh? This is very important to say. This is interesting. Please give us an insight of that. because Hold on, I, I haven't quite finished. <laughs> because I also wanted to um, say also there are um, black people or black cultures in Europe, in Asia, in the, in the Americas, in fact, all over the world. So I think we have to really expand our um, preconceptions of what actually culture is, of course, and also the colors we give to them. So white culture, black culture, yellow culture, red culture. They're very, very much intertwined. And black culture, in, to be very specific, is actually came or, or originated from the African continent, but has spread all over the world. So you find um, descendants of, of um, former Africans in Asia, in India, in other parts, in Iran, in, the, in Turkey, but they've been there for hundreds of years. Huh? Also in the um, Americas, of course, through, unfortunately through slavery, but other ways as well. And also, by the way, in Australia as well. So I think probably the, originally the First Nation Australians probably um, migrated from part of a larger continent, not necessarily Africa, but they too have a very, very dark um, skin as well. Wow. And if you could add on what you mentioned at the beginning, that not everyone is yeah. black. So in, yeah. within, um, on the African continent, we have white Af um, Africans, of course, in South Africa, but also, and this is very, very important, in West Africa too. So parts of the Tuareg peoples, they are very, very light-skinned. There are some Africans in North Africa, the Berbers, I don't know the proper name for them. They too are very light-skinned as well. And you find all over the continent other peoples, dark-skinned, but also light-skinned, up to being uh, what we would call white. Actually, these colors are very, very <laughs> problematic because there is no, I've never actually ever, ever, ever seen a white person. And so too, I've never actually ever seen a black person, so totally black. Huh? Very, very dark-skinned, of course, but not black. Huh? <laughs> There's an authenticity 
and realness that carries hidden stories to what um, you capture. But many people these days see a glossier, more manufactured aesthetic, which is where they draw their understanding from. What's your take on the instant camera culture? Um, this is a very deep question. When you're young, you want to move quickly and fast. You want to literally grow up, get where the others already are. So then, especially I would say in the last 30, 40, 50 years, there's this culture of celebrity, um, other, you used to call it bling bling, you know, this, this <laughs> kind of thing. And it's so, nowadays, especially through the internet and all the modern um, forms of um, media, it's so... Um, seductive and very, very, uh, you know, so quick. Huh? So people are drawn into this. Huh? I mean, not, not everybody, but millions and millions of on, onlookers and people who want to become, like you said also then, like these role models or like these celebrity um, people. Huh? So it's very, very quick. And then unfortunately, with the um, coming of the smartphone and the um, embedded cameras within these phones, everything is just like super quick nowadays. Huh? such that we've become even more superficial, even more, as a we being a humanity, huh? more superficial, more, yeah, it's like, everything is just like, almost literally what they call fast food, huh? so junk food. <laughs> At the same time, you'll find some who take things still very seriously huh? and look for so deeper inner meaning. Huh? So presently I'm mentoring some um, very gifted young photographers in the um, in the master class ongoing at this very moment, and they're very very good. All of them, thirteen women and I mean, um, twelve young men, eleven young men, very very good. So there, I mean, there are people out there doing the good work, huh? and photography has become not quite instant but almost, and um, it's one has to be very careful, but. If you take whatever you do seriously, you can definitely find your way forward. That's why I say again, it's very much an individual thing. Each and everybody trying to find their way forward. Wow. Well said. So where can we find you? In which universities or academies for us to look for you if we want to, to learn from you? You're giving these workshops or these seminars here in Germany or around the world? Around the world. Uh, um, it's done usually through institutions. So the present one I'm doing now is through the World Press. It's called the Masterclass, the Jupe Swart Masterclass. But, I mean, there are so many um, teachers, good teachers out there in institutions now because of the um, COVID-19, um, uh, <laughs> um, what do you call it, um, the, the, this time, time we're now living. So much, much of it is done online, huh? so Zooming, Skyping, all this kind of stuff. But it's still working, it's still working, and we're constantly moving forward. That's one thing I always say. Nothing is ever still. We're constantly moving forward, and it's up to us to go with flow, as I like to say. Huh? So see what's happening around you, and when you see a particular movement, you decide, do I want to go with this particular movement? Do I want to, yeah, I, do I want to do these Zoom, Zoom meetings, these Zoom <laughs> online? And then, then go with it. Or you can just, you know, chill and stay in your own space and, you know, read a book or listen to music or just look out, out of the window at the sky going by. Nice. And what is your take on the rise 
in cultural pride in African fashion from the diaspora? I've been looking at this with a lot of um, pride, actually, and joy, because um, it's always been there, but on a much lower um, scale, already in the 50s, and I've been very aware of the way we wear clothes. So there's a culture, but it's not just within the African continent, it's actually everywhere. Human beings like to decorate themselves, decorate also... They have a sense of, of what they wear and what they'll put onto on their bodies, whether it be tattoos or jewelry, the color of their hair, and all this kind of stuff. So, and I've been watching this very carefully. One thing which is very, very positive is that um, I would say black people the world over have become much more um, assertive. So we now say too, I mean, we are there just as well as my other people because we've come out of some very, very harrowing times, slavery times, and being very, very discriminated against. But now we are out there saying our own thing and doing our own thing. And also very interesting for me, and I would say in the last 20 years, that how um, so-called the Western world, which is very much a white world, has taken on a lot of our um, own cultural um, motives. So um, like sometimes, and this came to cloth from Ghana, our color mm. schemes and jewelry as well, so many things now. So this is very positive. So there's much more of an interchange and exchange as well, which is good. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And and this is also so interesting for me to see the change because I grew up here in Germany and I remember in the 90s, we, the young kids from the diaspora, I mean, we, we knew where we are from, where our parents are from, but there was still not yet this confidence in African pride, how I see it today, and us wearing the clothes, wearing the hairstyles, because of certain Eurocentric um, views and norms that was somehow limiting us in our identity, in being us. I would agree very much on this, especially in Germany. Huh? Less so in Britain. In each country or each region, is a very it's a different story. Huh? The states was also very different. If you go back to the fifties, forties, thirties, you see some, or even even before then, huh? actually right down back into the nineteenth century, and in the United States, you see some black people very conscious, saying no, we don't accept this slavery thing. We don't accept you know being at the Jim Crow, all, those, all that kind of stuff. No, we are we are ourselves. Huh? small groups, but it came out stronger and stronger over the, over the decades. This, in lesser part in, in France, in Paris, in, in Britain, in London, Bristol, places like that, but here in Germany it was very, very suppressed because the, um, the Germans also lost their colonies, and so they had a very small um, African uh, so community in, within Germany. Yeah. But things have radically changed, and um, especially, I would say, yeah, with the it's so interesting because sometimes it comes from historical moments, the fall of the Berlin Wall. Yeah. And then just things open up. Huh? But I remember already in the 80s seeing um, for the first time, conscious, uh, so much more, um, black um, uh, people in um, billboards in here in Germany. Huh? Yeah. Carl Lewis, Naomi Campbell. This was in the 80s already. Huh? So this was positive. And then, of course, this um, so very... Com um, uh, controversial um, images from H&M, huh? 
you know, showing um, Asians, Africans, um, Europeans for oh, their fashion. Benetton? Ben, sorry, Benetton. Yeah, yeah Benetton, you mean Benetton. Benetton, Benetton, yeah, Benetton, Benetton. Yeah, Benetton. Yeah, yeah, they were strong yeah, in the yeah, 80s, in the, 90s. In the 90s, yeah. 90s, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this, this kind of stuff, huh? but now, I mean, there's, there is a big consciousness movement going on all the time. I was, those reference that in the 60s, this was already happening with, um, like I always refer to, say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud, and the Afro, yeah, you know, so it was, it was there already, but it's become much stronger in the, I would say, in the last 20, 30 years. Yeah, and this is so good that you're saying it because for the young kids, they believe it's starting today, but it has been out there in the 60s, 70s. Maybe could you also describe how <clears throat> vibrant it was and there are certain reasons why it couldn't be seen internationally. Um. Or how, how would you put it? What was it, the it cause? It, it, yeah. yeah you know, <laughs> the thing is, every day is every day. So everybody's living their daily lives. Huh? Yes. As a black person, especially if you're living in Europe, I would agree with you, in like, let's say in the 60s and the 70s, you'd really have to go out and buy the magazines and look for the films and look for the radio um, programs and television programs, which... Um, advocate and celebrate black life. Huh? It was happening then already, but not in the scale of like today. Huh? So there wasn't oh, the late... Can you maybe name some yeah, magazines? Yeah, I was going to mention yeah. <laughs> um, in the late 60s, I believe, early 70s, the, um, uh, what's it called? The, um, what is this word? I forgot the word now. The, the soap, the soap roots. Yes. Yeah, you know, from the States, yes. which also came to Europe, though, or at least to Britain. Mm. So then people were beginning to see them in black, black life, huh? so black lives, how black people lived, you know, because that was a film more about slavery and getting back, trying to find back their roots. And then um, ever since then, um, also the, the, there were films from the United States already in the 70s about um, so, sort of so like um, Superfly and this black... Black, black films, yeah, uh, black PlayStation, black PlayStation, and then later on, uh, Spike Lee with his films, but already, and there were already very good um, black actors, mo- unfortunately mostly male, Sidney Poitier and others, on the on the um, Hollywood screens. So we were beginning to orientate ourselves. I think possibly m- the strongest aspects in this were the music scene. So I remember very clearly my first big sort of. Came was with Ray Charles, huh? wow! But also with other <laughs> blues singers as well. Of course, it's all black people, huh? And then um, in the sixties, seventies, eighties, got got stronger and stronger and stronger. And I'm I'm a big reggae fan, still am. So Bob Marley, but even before Bob Marley, the Calypso movement and blue beats and all these things. So then you 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 get into these kind of things. Huh? Also, too, um, very very important was the um, independence movement in Africa. So many countries started becoming independent as from 1960 onwards. But Ghana exactly. was one of the first, 1957. And then, yeah, um, more and more black people coming onto the world stage. Huh? So th- that was it. And so we, again, this is, I'm going back on what I said. We were, we were seeing role models or people we could look up to already out there already, women and men. It was very important to say this, huh? And then the big fights happening in South Africa, anti-apartheid movement, 
in other countries really fighting, trying to, you know, they say, no, this is wrong. We must um, become independent and must assert our own way of, of life, uh, which is, as people would like to say, very black, but it's just a black assertiveness. Uh. So we were there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is so good you're mentioning because for some young kids, they even don't look so way back, you know. And this is true to understand what is going on today. There have been certain steps in the past, especially also the African countries getting independent from the 60s on or gone already, end of the 50s. I think that really played a major role because they were able to now show this is us, this is what we're doing, and we have also a scene happening. Though I don't know um, if it's right, the influence, the U.S. influence was already taking place that a lot of young people in those African countries were more influenced by the U.S. or there was already this vibrant Africanism happening there's always there's, there's always a vibrant african thing always always <laughs> always but you are you are, you are right to be actress um, the um, us is, has a very strong um influence as well especially their so-called soft power which is their films and their music as well because not all music from the united states is of course black huh? there's also country and western and also white like elvis presley and so on so i mean but their influence is subtle can be sometimes I find it very sort of <laughs> destructive. But um, the vibrancy on the continent is very good. Well, if, you, if you actually just go out there on the, the marketplaces, everyday life, huh? in many countries it's got very, very, um, it's really tough, become even more and tough because of um, economic um, austerity programs and, you know, over the decades it's got worse and worse and more and more people coming, you know, coming into life and so being born. Huh? But we are still somehow trying to find our way. Yeah? And also the, one of the most perhaps difficult things is corruption. Yeah? So corrupt governments and people who are leading these um, different countries on the continent being so, sometimes so individualistic and egocentric. They just don't care about their people, just care about their own selves. Yeah? But still there's the vibrancy is there, the dynamism is there. So it's very, I find it's a very, very encouraging thing. And many, many countries on the African continent, they have um, 50, 60% is under 25 years old. So you can see that there's a big, strong potential there. And it's really coming forward. So just now, coming, coming here now for this um, conversation, I saw um, a Burner Boy um, poster. So he has a new, um, um, yeah. uh, what do you call it, a new song or a new yeah. um, CD out. So this is it. It's there. The vibrancy is there. Absolutely. Yeah. But... I just wanted to add on the statement you made about, yeah, that, of course, in African countries, you face corruption. But would you also see it from that angle? Because, I mean, Europe has a major interest now into the creative (laughs) industry. What is going on? Because we are creating, you as a photographer, we are creating content, we are portraying us from an African perspective, are we really economically benefiting from it? Um, it's a, it's a, <laughs> a deep question. Um, I'm referring again to Bernard Boy. Apparently, he is really benefiting from it. His mother, apparently, is his agent, and she's very, very aware and conscious and careful about this. It's, for me, very interesting because 
especially in West Africa, women are often in control of their economic affairs traditionally, yeah? not, not to, in this, the modern world of banks where you have a bank director who is male. Huh? <laughs> but um, it's, it's, yeah. so um, slowly but surely, we are really gaining our true independence, being ourselves on our own territory, so on, the, on our own continent, but it's a slow process. And I was talking about corruption earlier on, and this corruption, the, really the deepest, the most insidious corruption is actually here. So it's in the, in, in, here? Here in the Western world. So, I mean, they just, I mean, it's so divisive and insidious, it's, it's really terrible. So that often we say, oh yeah, our own politicians, but they sometimes they make it so difficult for us to actually find our own economic paths, our own even social paths, huh? So they remove so many other things, and like so, you are you are right. In some ways, they try to buy us out, just or literally eradicate us. Huh? But we we are fighting back, or as this term <laughs> I like, push back all the time. Yeah. So it's a constant, it's a constant struggle. But hopefully, we will eventually find ourselves. Huh? This is this is the that's I think is so very important. Huh? Yeah, mm. because. As I see it, it's also really about ownership and, mm-hmm. and what we're creating is it's 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 going to have it's having already a huge impact and and it's so important that it it stays in in the culture, in the black African culture and we benefit from it because it's a business at the day, because when I look at all this amazing photographers um, out there. Um, if I also point out uh, Omar Victor Diop from Senegal, um, Chris Swaga from from uh, Kigali, and you know, name them. This are this is this is also your intellectual property. I mean, this is you. This is this. If someone wants it, you know, they they should pay for the usages and not just grab it. How and how, I also wonder somehow how how can this be really um, uh, protected? So, talking specifically about photographers, yes, many are, are on the continent are aware of this. So they organize, they have their own collectives or groups, and they try to get good money and good pay for the work they're doing on their own terms in their own countries. It's happening more and more now. So now you'll find um, big agencies here in the West, like AFP or Reuters or whatever. Um, what's the other one called? Getty. Getty. Yeah. They now actually look for photographers on the continent and pay them the equal, um, same amount as they pay um, their own people. Uh, which is this is very good. Uh. So this, this is, is huge. Wow. Yeah, this, this is, is happening great. more and more. But this is very much so commercial work or you know um, commissioned work. Um, as artists, it's a bit more difficult because on the continent, um, the big institutions are few and far between. But here too, we've been organizing ever since I would say the 80s, the 90s. So um, I was in Bamako at the end of last year, November, December, where Bonaventure and Dikung um, curated the um, 10th edition of the Bamako um, Rencontre, which is a um, biannual um, photo festival, which has been happening since 1994, it was what I, I felt was one of the best um, um, editions the, wow. um, last year. And um, photographers came from all over the continent of uh, exhibiting as well. So there you see again um, organization 
trying to protect our, I would agree with you, our cultural um, property and moving forward and organizing, we network, we talk about you know, all the different things that can be done and should be done. And so things are moving forward. Also in other, in many countries now, not too many, unfortunately, Nigeria, South Africa, whereas Ethiopia, um, you mentioned Rwanda, Senegal, of course, Mali, of course, too, and Egypt, Morocco, Tunisia, people are really organizing and trying to protect their um, so cultural, um, cultural property and other things as well. Too. So things are, things are definitely happening now. Right. So good to hear because I'm like, wow, you know, it's, it can't be that this all work is just taken for granted and just being used without giving credit or even giving the, the worth it money because it's all about money at the end of the day. Unfortunately, money has become a big, big major factor in our lives. But I think at the end of the day, it's very much about the human being. So the, the person behind whatever is being put onto the table. So we should really try to harmonize and be if one big, beautiful family. This often is not the case. I'm not a super idealist, but this often is not the case. But we should strive for this. So that real love, and I mean, it's almost like cliche terms, love, peace and love and so on. But I think these are very, very important. And um, again, it's very much about organizing and pushing things forward, which you feel are really worth, you know, worth doing. Huh? So um, yeah. collective work, collaborations. And like you said, huh, telling our own stories on our own terms, on our own continent, for our own people. And also um, to, to the outside world as well. Huh? But that the outside world doesn't take advantage of us. This is also very important. Huh? Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. And if you think of it, I mean, we're living in a world where technology is just all over the place. And so much happened technology-wise. I mean... We are all into social media, smartphones. If this technology would have been there back in the days, what would you have done differently? You know, if you would have been able to use this back in the days, how how would you have used it? Technology is is an amazing thing because it's a little bit ahead of us. So... um, I remember growing up and um, f- telephones were fixed. <laughs> so the telephone would ring in the house somewhere, usually downstairs. You'd hear the, the, the ringing and you'd have to go downstairs, pick up the phone, which was fixed, and say, hello, who is there? <laughs> so, <laughs> so that was our technology then, at least communicating and so on. And now it's also completely changed. And so, yeah, like, like you mentioned, the smartphone, very, very mobile. You can use it. You can speak anywhere in the house. You don't have to go downstairs to pick up the phone and the, the telephone now itself is like a mini computer or is actually a big computer really so it can do so much but um, more important is, is you so what what are you bringing onto the table so if you are a creative person be it in fashion or in photography all the different kind of art forms eh? you can still use your these um mediums, these technological innovations in any what way you like. 
In the old days, we were already doing this without these mediums. So we didn't have smartphones, we didn't have the laptops and all this kind of stuff. But you'd still be creating, doing your photography or sculpting or doing your fashion work. Nowadays, it's much, much quicker. So if, um, I'm, let's say I'm in Lagos, and now everything is more or less digital. You can't get any more analog films or chemicals and so on. So if... I, and I still shoot um, analog um, cameras, um, film. So if I want film and I don't have any, I just pick up my smartphone <laughs> and ring a friend here in Berlin, for example, please, if you're coming soon, bring film for me. I've done this quite a few times, actually. Or you can actually order. Not so much. Uh, it's a bit difficult getting orders through to Nigeria. But some other countries, you can get them through with DHL, all this kind of stuff. So th things are much, much quicker now. So these are the way we move forward. I've heard of um, fashion producers in Lagos who do their... Um, the production in Eastern Europe, huh? and then they fly the stuff back or, or, or transport it in, in um, containers to, to um, Lagos. Huh? So, so much happening these days. Huh? So things are definitely quicker. That's one thing I, I will say. Huh? The technology has made us much, much quicker. So we move quicker now. Other than that, though, many fundamental things are still on the ground. Huh? So it's very much knowing who, who is who, networking, and yeah, and being being so, if possible, generous, honest, yeah. and serious. Huh? I think these are the more important things. Huh? So, yeah, so I, I pick up my phone and I can yeah, voic <laughs> voicemail or you know WhatsApp or whatever it is. But still, that that inner that harmony that is beautiful. That's, that's that's what I'm really looking for. And what I've noticed in others too, younger people sometimes get overwhelmed by what technological innovations can do us. So they're constantly on their smartphone, constantly looking at it. Yeah. But I think, I, I hope with time they'll get over that. Although there are even more and more innovations coming down the road. So it's a kind of a bit of a battle. Huh? But on the other <laughs> hand, we've, all, we've always had technological innovations. So even the sailing ship, you know, that, that's also what enabled slavery, yeah? So now they could move slaves, you know, um, people across the, um, from one continent to the other very, very quickly. Yeah? And now, of course, now, I mean, people fly, yeah? um, unfortunately. Yeah? So, and there is still, unfortunately, some kind of human trafficking, which is a form of slavery still. Yeah? So you see that we, as I said again, technical, technological innovation is usually half a step ahead of us. Yeah? It should be the other way around. We should be ahead of the technological innovations. But the majority, I feel, are so overwhelmed by these innovations, technological yeah. innovations, they don't know, really know how to move with them. Wow, this is interesting. How to move with the technology innovation. I also noticed with myself, and yeah, the smartphone is around, you look it up and you communicate. I think what um, I can say from my point of view it really supported to connect with Africa and to see on social media all these creatives speaking their own language, being their own voice. And we were able now to, yeah, communicate, express, and it's out there now. No one can anymore say, oh, no, I don't know about it. And this is, for me, what I find a good point that it's, it's out there and we're doing it, it's real, it's real. Maybe this is just me thinking it, that sometimes so much was going on back in the days, but because it was not seen on the global landscape, people were thinking it's not real. 
Because I remember going to school and in school it was like, oh, no, they're hardly creatives. Um, even some teachers were, were believing that uh, Western world brought clothing to Africa, shoes to Africa. And you're a young kid because you cannot find other access for information you believe. It makes something with our own identity. It develops also doubts. You, you, you have an identity crisis at the end of the day, being here in the diaspora. And it's just so difficult to, 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 to even, yeah, deal with it, you know. That's why I always say it's, I think it's very important to question the current narrative and to be subversive. So um, I love this expression, back in the day. Back in the day, um, black people, especially those who were conscious, they knew of each other. They knew of groups in Brazil, in the United States, in the Caribbean islands, in Europe, and of course on the continent. They knew of fashion trends, music, very, very strong, writing, creative arts. So they already knew about it, huh? but small groups. Huh? It wasn't like today where you're now, like you, you're quite right with the... Um, social media and with the internet is much, much quicker, much faster, but it's already happening then. Huh? So through word of mouth, letters, of course, and um, so people coming, you know, traveling, huh? people were traveling already then. So they would say, yes, do you know, there's a very good photographer, like, and this was this case, for example, in Bamako, two, three photographers that do amazing work. Or someone would mention music from Congo. Whoa, people say, oh, this is kind of thing. Huh? Or, or from the <laughs> islands, huh? or from the United States, some kinds of guys playing some kind of crazy music. They call it free jazz. This will spread around. Huh? So it was already happening then, huh? but not like it's done today. So today it's literally, some, sometimes things um, get across in seconds. Huh? In those days, months or weeks. <laughs> huh? But it was still getting across. Huh? This is why I say... Um, we should always question the narrative. Um, Beatrice, I hear you very well because I do know too, because I went to school in Britain, yeah. that we were really sometimes our own um, blackness and, and being, so black consciousness was trying, they just said, you know, that you people are just, you're, you're literally, you're, you're, you're just savages. You don't know anything. Learn from us. This was the, this was, that, that was their um, curriculum, so to speak. Uh, but I never accepted it. Uh. And then that's when you begin to listen. So already in the 19th century, and even before then, people were all, so where Africans were going to Europe to study. That's to study what, you know, what Europeans were learning at their universities. But learning. So for example, so I think some of the first doctors in Nigeria were already doing, med studying, doing medical studies in the end of the 19th century. These are usually men. And then <laughs> yeah. um, other things like this, and especially also one thing is, because of the slavery, or, but even before the slavery, um, black people have been moving all over the world. So um, especially then sailors, but other um, and traders as well, were going up and down. There was a, quite a, a big trading uh, between um, Brazil and West Africa, and also the Caribbean islands and West Africa too. So things were already happening, and, and traders are often very good sources of information. They, they, they arrive, they stay for two, three, four weeks, you know, doing their trading, but they will also relate. Huh? So 
So it was a good way of spreading religion, especially Islam, but also Christianity as well. But also knowledge, things about what's happening, what's going down. This is the new fashion. This is what is going there. So this was already happening. So if you listen carefully, listening, you begin to hear these things. It's happening today, as I said as well, but much quicker, much faster. It's sometimes so much, it can be overwhelming. Huh? Yeah. But at the same time, if you look at it very carefully and be also, as I think it's very important to be subversive, subversive, you question the current narrative, you can see the deeper threads. Huh? So the real thing, and it's still very much the same kind of thing. When somebody's really creative, doing powerful, good work, that gets around, that, that is spread around. And so then you hear about it. Yeah. I'd like to mention things like, for example, um, so someone like Sidney Poitier, yeah. and he's been around since the 50s, huh? but before him there were others, huh? Paul Robeson, Joseph M. Baker. Oh, yeah. You see, and then you, you can go into the 19th century, there were others there as well. So, I mean, these are certain names. In fact, it does, I mean, you, I'm sure you've heard about um, Anton Wilhelm Amor, you see, things like that. But there were others even before him, others too. Huh? So this is it. It's so important to know these things. Huh? And then you have to ask yourself, okay, I don't know about it, so let me start listening. And important is to listen to within yourself first, and then you realize that sometimes there's a, there's a gap, there's, a, there's a, um, an empty space. But now you don't fill it in with um, rumors or something. You look for the real things that are really happening, and you begin to find them. Huh? That's why I love some of the writings of people like um, Toni Morrison, um, but many others as well, who have written about our own past, but in such deep levels, is you, we often have to reread their novels or their, their uh, works of um, writing to really begin to understand what it is about us. So this is very important. So recently I've been doing some work again on Things Fall Apart by Chinua Achebe. That's a really powerful book. Wow. And there's so many levels in the book, so many levels, huh, that it, it's really super, super deep. So th- just, just doing things, and then you begin to run, and, and Chinua Achebe wrote that book in 1958, huh, when it was published. Huh. So you see, and that was long before internet and all these things, but already that book became, a, I mean, it's, a, it's not just even a bestseller, it's really sort of a foundational um, work of knowledge for all, actually for all black people. Wow. Yeah, you see. So, so that's what it's about, really. So, and then he's just one of many, many others. Huh? When I say many, many, I don't mean millions, but hundreds, <laughs> you know, doing, doing their thing all the time. Um, women and men. Very, very important. I want to stress this too. It's not, it's not a male thing, it's women and men. Very, very important. Huh? Wow. Powerful. Yes. Wow. For our listeners out there, yeah, you're listening to Akin Bode. We are right here in Berlin. <laughs> Amazing. So what we always do on Fashion Africana podcast, we have two key questions. And question number one is, what does fashion mean to you? Um, personal innovation. So um, I decide what I want to wear, how I want to wear, and the colors, and the cuts, the fashion. At one time, I really wanted actually to go into the fashion world in the sense of I started actually making my own kind of clothes. I couldn't make them myself, but I'd buy the material and give them to a tailor to make for me. This is very much African-style um, clothes, buba and shokoto, so a top and trousers. Um, 
because of photography and other things, I, I've sort of not given it up completely, but I don't do it so much. And then it's, I think it's, it's a, a, an awareness of, of style, an awareness of, of, um, yeah, of, of, of being, of wearing. There's a, there's a term we have in, in Nigeria, it's called kaking show, which means it's more or less like you go out into the public space to, 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 tell, to show others your presence, your being. Women and men do this. So there is a very strong uh, sartorial style all over West Africa, this is the part of the continent I know the best. Yeah, I would say that very much. So, um, and then color is very important. The cuts and your being, your wearing. Yeah, yeah it's, it's part of you. And then, of course, um, it's interesting how certain styles, certain um, fashions becoming coming come into come into play. Huh? And at the same time, this is why I say it's good to be subversive. You don't have to play into the current um, narrative. You can say, no, I want to do something else. So rather than wear, let's say the color is white, no, I want to wear black or blue or green, this kind of thing. So I think this is very important. Wow. I was just thinking, have you ever considered to do a fashion shoot? Yeah, I have, and I, I wouldn't do it in the again in the normal way of things with lighting and photo models and this kind of stuff. I much prefer doing it very naturally, using so-called natural models, and shooting on the street, or yeah, making taking the images on the street, and wearing. Although I mean, the designer, the fashion designer, because I have their own clothes, and but concentrate. I think this is the most important. It's not so much the clothes. It's the wearer, it's the person wearing the clothes. I think that is, that's the key. We really have to understand each other, listen to each other, understand each other. And then again, this is my... So it's, but the word I think is very, very important to love each other. I don't mean physical love all this. No, no. But just respect each other, you know. Yeah, so listen to each other. And I think that's more important. That's why then... Once you become aware of yourself, you can really bear and then you wear yourself, so to speak. It's beautiful, Lena. That's, I think that's the key. Wow. How do you define your role in this movement? Uh, which movement? Now, reflecting <coughs> on what is happening also 2020, this decade, of course, there are different movements. This... Um, you can choose in which one you are, but, but what I want to say is, yeah, we are, we are in, in a move, constant, and, 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 and with what is happening in the world, how would you define your role? Um, I use the term, and I like it actually, um, I believe everybody should bring something to the table. That's how I see my own role as well, coming along with others to a particular table and, you know, then expressing, saying, putting something on the table, so to speak. That is very much our um, sense of being, what, what life's about. And then, yeah, you know, trying to formulate it, give it, give it, give it a beautiful form and coming to the table with it. The table is a very interesting concept because um, we think of the table like we're now, we're now sitting at a table, 
But a deeper level of the table is the altar. So life has deeper resonances, so to speak. And one important resonance is actually understanding what life is all about. So from birth, literally, to the last breath, so death. But after death, it continues. So these are the kind of things I think which are very, very important. It's not a matter of trying to convince people of your own spirituality or religiosity or body of knowledge. No, rather, we all come together to the table and express our own forms of being, of living, of being together, hopefully in harmony, of course. I mean, that's, I think that's the most important thing. So once we listen to each other, respect each other, then we can all move forward together. So like you said, a beautiful word, we flow forwards together. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you very much, Beatrice. It's nice, huh? Yes, I would love to keep on talking. Unfortunately, we're running out of time, but I think we should repeat this. It is always a pleasure. And what can we expect next year? Uh, well, um, very important for me especially is because um, a lady discovered some um, archive images of the first um, film of Things Fall Apart, which was done in 1970 in Nigeria by a German-American-Nigerian co-production film team. So she found the film stills. So I, and together with another lady, we've created these film stills. And these film stills will be shown in Lagos, hopefully, at the end of October, during the Lagos Photo, Fest, um, um, photo Festival Biennial. So that's, that's my next big project, so to speak. Wow, we are looking forward to this. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you very much. You were listening to Fashion Africa Now podcast with Beatrice and Akin Bode, Akin B. Thank you. You're listening to Fashion Africa Now podcast. We humbly ask you to respect our intellectual property. We want to leave you inspired, informed, educated, Connected. This is who we are. Fashion Africana Podcast. Get in touch with us on fashionafricanow.com. <laughs>